Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Vegan Food and Living Simply Vegan podcast with me, Holly Johnson, and my co host, Molly Pickering. Yep, it's the Holly and Molly show. Each week we'll be ranting about vegan news, raving about new food launches and responding to your questions on all things plant-based. I also chat to vegan chefs, experts and influencers about everything from fermented food and nutrition to weight loss, herbalism and seaweed. Welcome to another episode of the Simply Vegan podcast. We're very excited this week because we have a new host, Molly Pickering, who is the digital assistant on Vegan Food and Living. That is really hard to say, digital it assistant. Um, so hi, Molly. How are you? Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Very excited to be on. Yeah, I'm so excited to have a new host for a while while Gabrielle is off. Um, I thought we would kick off with a little quick fire Q&A to test your veganness. Are you up for it? Don't put me to shame. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Quest- question number one, reason for going vegan? I had really bad eczema and um, someone told me to cut out dairy and then I did. And also I live in Bristol, so vegan capital. Brilliant. Best vegan food you've ever eaten? Do you know what? I This weekend, actually, me and my partner, we went to, it's called Breaking Bread it's on Bristol, in Bristol, sorry, on the Downs. And it was just like barbecued veg. That's all it was. But it was just amazing. So good. And I think that's got to be my top vegan food. Okay, Lush, I need yeah. to check that out. Uh, wor- worst vegan food you've ever mm, eaten? I don't like vegan cheese at all. I hate it. Yeah, it's got a way to go, hasn't it? We'll have to get some good ones on here for you to taste test, though. <laughs> when did you last eat nooch or nutritional yeast? Ooh, um, not last night, the night before. I ha- put it in pasta sauces all the time. Name three vegan celebrities. Oh, gosh. Um, oh my God. Uh, Whacking Phoenix. Um... <laughs> Billie Eilish and Brian May. 
<laughs> love it okay last question what is tempeh oh god do you know what this is something that i've never tried in my whole life it's isn't it like soya but nutty yes but it's it's fermented okay. so um yeah it's supposed to be good for your gut it's a bit of a um it's a bit of a weird one i think you either love it or hate it i'm still kind of trying to find a good way to it's one it, of those things that i see all the time and i see so many recipes about it and i've just never tried it i'm tofu all the way okay well we'll give you you know five out of six for that one i'll take that you're pretty vegan i'll let you stay okay well on to the news so um i'm afraid I might get a bit ranty on today's episode because so the first thing is and as always you can read more on the vegan food and living website about these news stories um it's the news that plant hustler which is a vegan restaurant in Bournemouth which actually is only an hour away from me and I was born in Bournemouth actually so it's quite close to my uh close (laughs) to my heart um the restaurant used to be dirty vegan and I think that closed during COVID and it's reopened as plant hustler so basically trading standards popped by to you know check everything's going okay and uh asked them to remove their murals on the walls which listed lots of benefits of a plant-based diet yeah and they also said their menu was misleading because it's it mentioned prawns and cheese it's ridiculous it's I don't know. I literally wrote this story the other day and I was just writing it and it's just the same argument all the time, really, isn't it? This, you know, people are going to get confused that vegan milk is real milk and who is making these judgments? Like, it's not, I don't see it as an issue. Um, I did take a look at the um, menu and it, it does say prawns and cheese and it doesn't say like, you know, sometimes you have this misspelling, don't you, of like cheese with a Z or whatever. And it wasn't any of that. And do you know what? I kind of respect that a bit. I think that, you know, veganism has grown so much and we're moving into an age now where people know that it's not, it's not the real thing. So why are we labeling these different silly words? Yeah, you don't really walk into a restaurant that says plant yeah, hustler exactly. and has ve- vegan you know, the walls are covered in kind of vegan yeah. murals and go, oh, what? I ordered yeah, real prawns. Exactly. Why aren't these? I mean, maybe they could have put it in inverted mm. commas or like you say, misspell the prawns with a Z. But, you know, we're just getting this bit nitpicky, isn't it? I think what they requested was for him to cover the whole wall. And I think it's just so excessive. Yeah, so Trading Standards warned them that the mural was misleading and had no significant evidence. But the stats, I believe, were from the Vegan Society. Yeah, I think so. Saying that there's no significant evidence to support the fact that a plant-based diet is healthier than a a meat and dairy heavy diet. It's absolute absolute rubbish. I mean, there's so much science out there I know, it's crazy. I think there was also, I think they might have used more than um, just the Vegan Society, actually. I think there was actual like scientific evidence and um, the guy, I can't remember his name is Aaron something. I can't remember it. Um, But he put on the plant hustlers Instagram account, all of the references that they used for the mural, which I thought was really interesting. And um, they gave this evidence to train standards and they ignored it completely. Okay, well, I I really, really hope this goes viral because I know he's calling for like people to tag celebrities and stuff. And one person had tagged Lewis Hamilton. So 
Come on, Lewis. <laughs> Come Share on, you this. can do it. <laughs> okay, well, let's move on to the next news story. This is another um, cause for vegan rants. Um, vegan dad Paul Roberts has won a battle against his daughter's primary school, forcing the school to change its cow's milk or water scheme. So his little girl, um, I believe, she, yeah, mm-hmm. she was five, was um, not offered any th- any alternative to the cow's milk that the parents yeah. were having other than water. And when he kind of spoke to the school, I mean, that's fair enough. You know, it's the age we live in still. We're still kind of making advances, yeah. aren't we? But surely when you speak to the school, you'd expect them to then be like, yeah, you're right, actually. And especially because there was another mm-hmm. member of the class who was dairy intolerant. It wasn't like this yeah. was a choice for that child. Exactly. So uh, then he had a nine-month court battle against the school. It's so ridiculous. I think that um, I think he went to the governing bodies and it was dismissed so many times. Um, Apparently it caused him like severe anxiety, insomnia. Like he was so worried. I think, I don't know, not to say that it might have gone, that might be a little bit extreme because you don't know how people are feeling in these circumstances. And, you know, that's your child at the end of the day. Um, but I think for the school to just completely dismiss it and I remember, you know, milk time at school and I hated, um, I really didn't like milk when I was younger. So I would never have milk. And I kind of remember feeling a bit like isolated, just like, well, what can I have then? And I think it is important because, you know, they're that age and they need to socialize and whatever. And even if it is just having a bit of milk together. Definitely. Well, I'm really glad that he finally won the battle. This leads us quite nicely on to our reader question this week, which is from Nicola. And if you want to email your questions in, we now have a special email address, simplyvegan at anthem.co.uk, where you can reach me. She wanted to know which plant milk is most sustainable. Um, the BBC did an article on this in 2019, actually, with some nice infographics. Um, I love an infographic, don't you? Love it. Yeah. Just want to ha- you know, I just want it all there, like quick, quick access to the stats. This is just the culture we're in now, though, isn't it? Just I need everything in picture form and I need to ne- retain the information within a minute and then I'm good to go. Exactly. I don't <laughs> want to be scrolling for ages having to read stuff. No. <laughs> so lazy. <laughs> so dairy milk is by far the worst offender. If you look at the graph, dairy is way out above the others for emissions, land use and water use. Um, next comes almond milk and rice milk, which use a lot of water, but again, are much better than dairy in the other areas. And then we have soy and oat milk. So oat milk uses slightly more water than soy, but soy is a tiny bit higher on, on emissions. But both oat milk and soy are very low on um, all the categories on the graph. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, what what milks do you use? I'm out all the way. Oh, yeah. Oat me up, baby. I love it. <laughs> um, that was like the milk that um, when I first met vegan, like that was the one that told me. I had almond milk for a bit. And even though I love it now, I think I prefer it in like coffees and stuff and cereals. It's got a bit more of a sweeter taste to it. Um, but I think oat milk is just a perfect all rounder. Um, the flavour, it's there isn't much to it, which I quite like. Yeah, and it's just, I think it's a bit cheaper as well. Thinking about what would be literally the most sustainable way to drink 
milk and I think it would be to buy not that many people are going to do this and that includes me but bulk buy zero waste organic oats and then make your own at home so you wouldn't have the waste of the packaging or the cost of the shipping of the packaging um not the cost the emissions and everything from you know shipping all these heavy what are they tetra packs aren't they that would be the most sustainable but Nicola we don't know what your lifestyle's like <laughs> chances are very wholesome chances are you look at my own milk yeah <laughs> and also some health food shops do like a refill don't they I used to have one yeah in, so that would be cool but let's face it how many of us really have the time to be like <laughs> making oat milk yeah so what brand do you go for then because I'm I'm kind of Alpro all the way mm, so yeah, I do tend to be Alpro. Tesco have actually just started doing their own oat milk as well, but I can never get hold of that. Okay. Um, I did used to be Oatly until all of the controversy started coming out about them. And I think I can't really, can't go back now. It's just too much damage has been done. I think after what the what they did with, was it Glebe Farm? Quite recently, actually, I think within the last um, couple of weeks, they pursued a court case against this um, independent family run. It's a farm, um, but they've just started doing like oat um, oat milk alternatives. And um, they're called like Pua Oatly, I think their oat milk is called. And Oatly have set up a... Um, a court case against them because they said that it's infringing on their brand um side by side both products are completely different there is not a single I think the only thing that's similar is that they've got like a coffee cup illustration that's about it there's nothing else that I can see on there um it's ridiculous and loads of people I've seen on only social media have just called them bullies they've um just kind of cancelled them I think they've been cancelled right oh Oatly okay we've got time for one more question this week which is from Callum again via email um Callum wants to know what our favorite recipe is for new vegans so something really simple that you can just throw together in like 10 minutes okay um shall I go first yeah go for it cool so I think for me um it's quite a new recipe that I've been trying actually um it's Szechuan break Szechuan it's quite hard to say <laughs> Szechuan <laughs> Szechuan braised uh aubergine and broccoli um so you fry ginger garlic coriander spring onions all the the main boys um soy sauce and Szechuan peppercorns and then you literally just lay aubergine and broccoli on top of it put a lid on the pan and just and a bit of water and a bit of stock a few other bits as well um and just leave it for about 10 minutes and take the lid off add in sesame oil rice wine vinegar and coriander lid back on for five minutes and then you're done it's amazing super soft tender mm. that sounds really good but just uh, aubergine's a funny one isn't it some people are like really not kind of big fans um it is it does it go like mushy or yeah so for me it kind of um it it's slightly meaty so it depends on what aubergines you get we're gonna go down a big route now (laughs) I think Chinese aubergines work really well I think they're the ones um they're lighter purple and they've kind of got like white stripes in them 
those work really well because they don't go too mushy so there's kind of like still a bit of um texture to it it's not like proper I don't know like melt in your mouth a bit much but then maybe that's what you want so I don't know um I was kind of hit and miss with aubergines and then as I started being um as I started being more vegan um (laughs) as my vegan diet like progressed I um started loving them Okay, because I've got one in the fridge, but I don't think it's a Chinese aubergine. I don't think I've ever seen a Chinese aubergine, um, which is probably... Fruit and veg stores. Really? Yeah. Okay, it's probably because I live down in the depths of, you know, deepest, darkest Dorset. And we don't have anything... Oh, no. Deepest, darkest Dorset. I love yeah. that. Yeah, well, I, you know, I used to live in a trendy city. I used to live in Bristol as well. Um, oh. Sadly, and I'm very, very sad about this, I wasn't vegan when I was there. And now, mm. obviously, I follow loads of like Bristol stuff because I'm still, I've still got friends up there and I see all these amazing yeah. restaurants popping up, like the, um, oh, what's it called? The Meze place, Kucha. Oh, Kucha. I can <sighs> see Kucha from my window. I, I love it so much. They've just had a revamp actually, and it's beautiful inside, and the food is just delicious. Also, LD's Kitchen, I don't know if you've heard about their um, vegan um like soul food barbecue soul food oh delicious what's it called ld's kitchen ld like the letters ld Let ld's kitchen they're ex-musicians who um obviously during the pandemic lost their jobs and stuff and um i think her name was oh i can't remember her name anyway the owner of it um she set up this kitchen and hired only musicians ex-musicians oh wow oh my god and they're doing so well okay so I'm definitely going to be booking in to kind of (laughs) visit my friend soon um obviously you know I'll have to kind of make it sound like I'm there to see her but really I'm just going to (laughs) be doing a tour of vegan eateries in Bristol Okay, my recipe would be, and I'm going to go for a lunch option because I think a lot of people are often a bit stuck for lunch. It's kind of like, oh, what? That's true. What do I have? Do I have, you know, I can just have soup or salad or couscous. It gets a bit samey. It does. And the chickpea tuna for me is a bit of a revelation. Do you eat this? Love it so much. They're just so good. Chickpeas are amazing. Yeah, so I kind of I don't bother mashing the chickpeas because that takes too long I just stick them in the blender don't blend mm. them for too long though you still want a f- few little crunchy ones hanging around in there you, you, <laughs> for a bit of texture you get hummus yeah exactly exactly <laughs> so just give it a quick whiz on the blender um chuck in some crushed garlic some lemon juice Dijon mustard nutritional yeast do you do you put that in yours? Yeah, that's I've never done that before, but that sounds good. Yeah, I mean you can you can chuck anything in. Red onion. It's, it's so versatile. Yeah, yeah. Red onion, um, chopped celery, whatever you want. And then obviously a big dollop of or perhaps a few big dollops of vegan <laughs> vegan mayo. I think Heinz have got a new one, haven't they, out now? Vegan mayo. Yeah, I got it the other day when I went shopping because it was the only one there but it's very good yeah yeah I mean it's it's it looks quite pale I don't know why it's, it looks slightly paler than the mm. Hellman one but I can't taste the difference um so yeah I have that in a baguette or a sandwich which mm. oh and it's so addictive you literally like find, yeah. find me in the fridge like 
you know, <laughs> bedtime. Just have like, it on top of anything. It's so good. And pasta as well. Great. Oh, and then you've got yum. tuna pasta salad. Yum. Oh my God, I'm getting hungry now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. On a jacket potato as well. Um, so you could have it for dinner. Yeah. Or lunch. So yeah, that is my recipe. Um, it's been so nice to uh, chat to you today, Molly. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I've had a ball. <laughs> uh, see you next week. Definitely. Yeah. Well, actually, <laughs> see you next Tuesday. But I, I don't know whether oh, I should gosh. actually say that on this show. <laughs> I think you can. Let's let's push the boat out. <laughs> uh, don't go anywhere. Next up, is, I'll be speaking to Lauren Lovett. I keep saying Laverne, but it's definitely not Lauren Laverne. It's Lauren <laughs> Lovett. She's a plant-based chef and entrepreneur. She's founder of the Plant Academy in London and the woman behind Feed Your Mind Candy, a project dedicated to delicious food designed to feed your mind which is obviously very topical with mental health definitely after covid so so don't go anywhere and enjoy the interview well summer has arrived and vegan food and living are offering a trial to their plus membership along with a copy of the magazine delivered to your home in recyclable paper wrap for just one pound you'll also have access to their digital archive which features every issue of vegan food and living magazine ever published and you'll receive exclusive discounts with their vegan partners. Give Vegan Food and Living a go for £1 by going to shop.veganfoodandliving.com and entering the code SUMMERVEGAN, no spaces. Welcome to the podcast, Lauren. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks so much for having me. So I'm really excited to chat to you, actually. Um, it's kind of gut health and the link between, um, you know, what we eat and our mental health is something that I'm actually really passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, but should we start at the beginning? Do you want to tell us a bit about your background and kind of what led you to plant-based cooking? Yeah, sure. So um, I've always been really into food. So since I was a kid, kind of cooking and being around ingredients has always been something that I was absolutely fascinated by. But it wasn't until later when we were kind of, you know, deciding what to do, where to go to university, what the options were, that I really started to, yeah, you know, think like, oh, well, food wouldn't be an option for that. So I actually went and studied art and then went on to do fashion. And food was always kind of like on the back burner as something that I just loved, like, and not just plant-based food at that time, just kind of cooking in general. I was obsessed with like, you know, making like three course dinners for my family and I'd be like perfecting souffles and like filleting fish and like all of the things. It was like a real fascination. Um, But I, yeah, I went on to study and during that time, well, I met, you know, so many amazing people and I was like studying art and I kind of met my then boyfriend who was very early on diagnosed with bipolar and at the time it was like this word I was like what is this like we didn't know I remember like sitting down together and looking through this whole list of symptoms and then like you know different drugs and all the things and it was like okay like you know you start to really understand about mental health and I think until that point I mean being very fortunate but I hadn't really come across any like major issues with like friends and everything when I was younger um so yeah so mental health became like a huge part of our lives and at that time we were yeah living quite a crazy lifestyle like although I'd still be kind of like rustling things up and making quite like elaborate dinners when I could um it was very much like you know the uni life and later down the line we both went off and I to study 
different things. I was going off to do fashion design and marketing and he was going off to do photography in London. And yeah, and then so it was kind of this time of like, is this what I want to do? It all felt kind of quite rushed and we had been through a lot together, like seeing someone so creative and passionate and excited about kind of like, you know, especially photography and like that, you know, what's possible, have this real um, side to him that, you know, he couldn't control. It was it was really, really scary for, for all of us to see. Um, and then very long story kind of shortened. Um, but I yeah went off to study somewhere else and we were very much like, you know, working out what was going to happen. And after, yeah, a series of many different events, but unfortunately I got a phone call one day from his twin brother saying that he'd committed suicide. And yeah, so it was, um, I mean, from that point, it kind of obviously like turned my life upside down. It was, you know, a very long time of being sort of in limbo, like myself and obviously family and everyone around him. And, you know, it it was a really horrible and crazy time. So I obviously was like rethinking like you know I'm here studying this thing and I obviously like you know left uni for a bit and then kind of ended up working out like you know how to go back and if I wanted to and everything um but during so then it for me took a bit of a turn for the worse so I kind of developed different eating disorders and had a real yeah concoction of different mental health issues and after a very long time of being really kind of like in limbo, very distraught, I just became obsessed with food in a very destructive way. And yeah, that went on for a really long time. But although I was obsessed, there was something about it. And still, I ended up trying to complete my degree, but then moving back home. And I was kind of still then had the chance to be cooking for my family. And although I couldn't necessarily connect with food in such a positive way, cooking was still something I would spend nearly the whole day just cooking and it was it was still then was such a therapy to me to just have that like something that I loved to do that you know it's kind of like creative and yeah there was something about it but time went on and luckily dealing with everything I did have a very good support network around me and although you know people didn't really know how to react to the whole situation as time went on you know people were trying to find ways to help and um yeah I ended up having an amazing counsellor and then starting acupuncture and just what felt like overnight this just something clicked in me and I was like right I really like I want to get better I think for many years I just didn't want to get better but suddenly I did and food and plant-based food was really that thing that helped and I'd learned so much over those years like you know obviously being quite obsessed with food but also then take learning about more kind of you know ways that food could impact us in positive ways and it was just about when the kind of like wellness thing was beginning when vegan food was definitely becoming a thing and I yeah I took all of that knowledge that I'd kind of been like reading about and learning about and I was like right I I know how to use food as kind of like medicine like how am I going to do this I knew a more kind of like um traditional approach to kind of getting better wasn't necessarily going to be the thing for me so I carved out yeah my own way and over time like yeah I mean everything really started to click into place and ended up finishing my what turned into a sort of five-year degree and writing a book all about mental health and food as my kind of final project and I kind of 
channeled everything that had happened into this kind of like um, trend design book all about a mind food lifestyle. And it was like my basically my handbook for life. So it was yeah a huge opportunity to really kind of think like, okay, I had learned I didn't really want to do fashion, but how could I kind of make food like in that way that was more like lifestyle re- related. So, um, so yeah, I ended up in my last year just getting all of the food jobs I could find. I was like living in the Cotswolds at the time and I was like, right, like how, how can I do this? So I was working at like little farm shops and pubs and everything and just like really slowly rebuilding my kind of like you know my life and what I wanted to do and I ended up being very lucky in that we'd just moved to yeah the Cotswolds and there was many many opportunities down there so when I finished my degree I had well a few different things happening but the main one was someone that I was working for had a vegan pop-up in London that was called Asparagasm and it was I believe one of the first vegan pop-ups used to work with incredible chefs and it was something that I was just like mesmerized by it was this whole like fantasy festival land of food and I was like okay this this is like where it's at I love the name Asparagasm (laughs) yeah it's one of those things that people just remember like I still bump into if it comes up now people always remember those kind of things because it's yeah it's such a great name and it was such a great brand it was all kind of about like the logo was literally like a cowgirl riding a asparagus like brilliant and yeah so it was it was so it was just yeah it was very cool it was very kind of like of that moment and I was really lucky that the founder Kate she was looking to open a permanent venue for asparagasm down where I was living so I was kind of like what you know there like being like how can I get involved and you know, working, working all out. And one day again, um, a kind of cool and just saying like, right, we want, we want to start doing, uh, making vegan cheese. We're going to open this shop. Maybe it's going to be like just a cheese shop. Like, do you want to get involved? So literally like the next day down in this kind of like derelict cafe that she'd just taken on. And we were there like serving these vegan cheeses that her chef friend had kind of developed and yeah it kind of I mean it just kind of snowballed from there within we spent six months setting it up in that time it went from being um just doing cheese to a full-on like cafe restaurant and within a week or two of us opening the chef that we've been working with left so I just had to be the chef like overnight and it was like <laughs> oh my god and I mean you know and that's kind of always been like oh, so I'd love to be in the kitchen but I'd been taking all the courses under the sun like you know, working on these restaurants, taking all the plant-based courses I could find, which is quite challenging. Like kind of this is maybe seven, eight years ago to find like good plant-based courses was quite yeah. hard. Um, but yeah, so that was my, yeah, a, a kind of overview of how it all, how it all began. That's a really incredible story. Um, I mean, I'm not saying I know what you've been through at all because everyone kind of experiences things differently, but um you know, I lost a close male friend um, to suicide when I was, I think I was in my early 20s. So um, yeah, it's, uh, I know how it can kind of change the direction of your life and, and actually change you as a person. Can't yeah, it? exactly. I mean, yeah, it puts everything into perspective, doesn't it? But such a shock. Yeah, it sounds like you've really channeled, you know, all that kind of pain and grief into something really positive. So you trained as a raw food chef, didn't you? Mm, I did. So this is always, uh, well, since going vegan anyway, because I'd never heard of it before going vegan sort of three or four years ago. Um, 
tell us what raw food's all about because when you think raw food you're like oh okay so you follow a raw food diet you basically just eat salad all year round but I know there's a lot more to it than that isn't there a lot more to it yes and so I mean raw food yeah it's always been one of those things that it, it has actually some of my first like really you know like eye-opening experiences were with like raw food chefs so yeah raw food would be literally eating everything that is raw but that doesn't mean that it can't be kind of um created in a way that has that kind of very decadent delicious feeling so I mean lots of people now will be really familiar with raw cakes and often as well like even a lot of um, plant-based cheeses will be raw but you can make very kind of elaborate meals as well but technically it would be nothing is kind of treated over 42 degrees would be like the kind of benchmark Um, But actually, when we were first opening Asparagasm, there was a woman called Kate Magic, who, yeah, is a real pioneer kind of in the raw world and is very well known for that kind of like raw food lifestyle. She is raw. Know of her, yeah. Yeah. And she she came down and did this kind of two-day workshop for us at Asparagasm just with some friends. And I'd, yeah, I mean, I was like, wow, like we were making these kind of adaptogenic cakes and everyone was like crying. And it was, you know, when you're like, what's this doing to us it was like she was talking about like purple corn and mixing it with this and it was opening our third eyes and I was like wow like you know and you're like this is bonkers blowing my mind yeah blew my mind um but I was also like totally sold and I was like okay like this is what I'm into um and it was all about still that connection of like how food makes you feel because I think that was the whole thing I was always like okay like this is so much more than just like you know whatever it's actually can totally change how we feel about everything and how you know open we are how perceptive we are to different things and so raw food was really the thing that did that for me and when I was looking for the courses to retrain as a chef um it was very very hard to find but there were two people that I came across one of which was Amy Levin who obviously makes raw chocolate and the other was Deborah Durant who had a raw food kitchen down in Gloucestershire who was, she just got back from training with Matthew Kenny in LA. They do raw food courses. And she was kind of replicating those with her own sort of spin on them. And so I went and trained with Debs and then ended up assisting her for many years. And it was, yeah, really understanding like flavor and this kind of still very elaborate and beautiful plated dishes. And there was just something about it that I think you know going understanding that you can make these like raw cheesecakes that could rival like a mascarpone cheesecake that I used to love I was like wow this is amazing to think it just seemed more like interesting and tactile and everything and then I ended up later down the line we did close Asparagasm eventually but um, one of the reasons being I started to go over to LA to train with Matthew Kenny which was another raw food course and again I just was like oh my god I really this is what I want to do and ended up getting very involved and then working for that company and then teaching um for yeah for them so it was it really became like a huge part of my life and although at asparagasm and I mean now I'm not I never have well maybe in phase has been 100% raw but it's um such an incredible technique to know about and whether you're making you know a cashew cream or a dessert it it does you know those raw food elements but it's often the thing or you know they really elevate a dish and take the flavor to a different place quite interesting actually because I've always thought I've never really thought about the 
you know the things that I will perhaps already eat as part of my of my diet like cashew cheese or you know I um I made a I don't know I had friends round and I think it was a uh, pecan tart mm. uh, from rebel recipes book, oh yeah and that that was raw but yeah. you yeah I suppose you don't you kind of think oh anyone who's on a raw food vegan diet are kind of they must be really out there and they're mm. in the kitchen all the time but there obviously are things that you might do without thinking that are raw um, do you think it's quite labor intensive then if, if someone was to say, right, I'm going to be a raw vegan? Yeah. I mean, I think there's, I mean, there's so many elements to it and I know like, I mean, I'm very lucky to have spent quite a lot of time with Kate and Kate Magic and she, yeah, I mean, she lives and breeds it and it's all about, you know, having, I mean, I guess like, you know, even when you're transitioning to a vegan diet, you know, it's having the things to hand that are really useful. So making sure that you've got, you know, all of the things like prepped in big batches. So you're not constantly like, oh, you know, I'm out and there's nothing that I can have. I mean, I do remember the first time we had someone that was um, actually a fruitarian that came to asparagasm. And that was the challenge. That was like only things with seeds, no oil, no salt. I think I made like a tomato gazpacho that was, yeah, I mean, I tried. But um, it, wow. yeah, so it, with as with anything, I mean, I guess it depends. And it, you know, some things really suit some people and especially people that go down the kind of fruit route. But then, yeah, I think it can be labor intensive. But I think a lot of people will eat more raw than they realize. Like, you know, it's, I think I've gone through phases, especially when over in places like Bali, when you're kind of like 80% raw, just because, you know you're just having loads of fresh stuff and it's you know topped with a little bit of this or you might have some like rice or something on the side but if the you know you can have a lot presumably raw food is better for us because the nutrients haven't been cooked is that I know some things are different though aren't they for example with tomatoes if they're actually cooked um we absorb these lycopene yeah yeah so you know is a raw food diet always better for our health or not no I think everyone is so different it really depends on your constitution like some people are going to really suit that kind of like I think if you looked at it kind of like more you know when people look at like Ayurveda or different things you know different body types which is suit different things but certainly like a lot of people will need cooked food because also if we do have whether it's grains or whatever you know the cooking process obviously you some we all need slightly different things but those things will have so many benefits and I think it really depends on you know you and what you're going through and obviously if you have any sort of like digestive issues then raw food is really it can be really hard to digest so it's kind of you know finding that balance between all of the things whereas if you have say like nuts that have been like soaked and blended and maybe fermented then that will be more digestible than like the raw nut but would still be raw so there's you know I think it is there's loads of benefits of I think having more raw things but I definitely wouldn't say that like 100% raw is going to work for everyone yeah yeah it's fascinating isn't it it really is tell us about the plant academy then because that's kind of your your latest project isn't it yeah it is so um yeah yeah I guess so so plant academy um came about so after I'd been traveling and teaching abroad I really wanted to bring that kind of experience to London and have a kind of school where people could come from all over the world to really understand and see the power of plant-based food and not just like I mean as you'll have seen from my stuff it is you know it's all about plating presentation and there's like a bit of a kind of artistic spin on things um so to really create somewhere that could um yeah share these ideas and bring people together 
So um, we opened in early 2019 and started off kind of, you know, really working out like we're doing short courses. And the idea always was to do these like longer classes that were much more substantial and then have three parts. So you start off with fundamentals, go on to more advanced plant food. And then the third one would be all about business. And um, so we kind of opened and did the classes and then introduced the longer classes after a little while. And it started going really well. I and mean, then we had people from literally like all over the place doing stuff. We yeah started off with short classes, went on to these longer courses. And that was really the thing that I was like, okay, like this, it makes sense. People want it that we had people traveling from everywhere. And it was incredible to just see people coming and having such you know incredible experiences it was always about you know showing what people what is possible and yeah and I I feel like it was yeah it was going in an amazing direction and then obviously at the beginning of last year we just about got through our first ever ever level three which which is the course in plant-based business and it was a 10-day course we had again a really really cool group of plant-based entrepreneurs and we just about got through it before COVID happened, which mm. it was kind of over that week, you know, so many things happening and like everyone had traveled and they were, you know, different places were closing. And yeah, I don't know how we actually made it through because we thought that people were going to have to like leave and go home and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, which was tough. But, but so, but it did. So obviously COVID happened and it was like, I'd never really wanted to do an online course just because. I think it was because I hadn't experienced something that I could really connect with. I thought you get an online course, you'll have your own devices. I would start and then I'd stop and it was hard. Yeah. Online's yeah. great, isn't it? For mm-hmm. convenience, but it's yeah. never the same as kind of doing it in person. But, no, um, exactly. Obviously with COVID, we haven't had much choice. So. Yeah, yeah but, but I think, I mean, what we ended up doing, we kind of over last year, we were like, right, how can we like bring this back to life? Obviously Plant Academy, it, although short courses were a small part of what we did it really is about these kind of it's called plant one two three which is our kind of like program and I ended up kind of reimagining how we could do plant one online and I think it's better than it could have ever been on site I mean we so we did this three-month experience that was meeting weekly online with you know live like three-hour classes and then homework and everything was really clearly like videoed we've got photography with Sarah who's my business partner at the studio where we are now um and yeah we we did it it really worked and it again we had a really cool group of people they're all now still really close and everyone started like you know working together and doing things exactly like they would have if they'd have met on site it's fantastic yeah so it's um yeah and now we're just about to we bought plant two out which is the next one that's going to happen live at the end of the year and then fingers crossed we'll do another on-site class next year all being well and these are all people who are kind of looking to launch plant-based restaurants or cafes or businesses yeah a real mix so with plant one it's anyone that's either wants to take plant-based food more seriously whether it's just for their own lives get some new recipes and ideas or a lot of people that are maybe just thinking about like starting something or a lot of people that are mostly in like design and like that kind of world but wanting to work in food so it's but then yeah a very a variety and then level two is more people definitely that are already mostly more in the industry or working somewhere or anything and then level three is for 
we only get we're taking just 10 entrepreneurs who are either pre-start or like have launched already startups fantastic so the, the other project is Feed Your Mind Candy, isn't it? So this is obviously in relation to, as you discussed earlier, kind of your passion for mental health um, and, you know, hugely topical with COVID. It's affected everyone, I think, in some way or another, um, whether it's, you know, anxiety about going out, masks, things like that. I mean, my daughter's been um, adversely affected mental health. She's mm-hmm. She developed um, functional tics which has been very strange um so yeah so a bit like Tourette's um so she yeah it's uh something that's quite close to my heart now as well so so how does feed your mind candy work wow that's yeah incredible I'm sorry to hear about your daughter but yeah she's she's doing she's doing well so hopefully she'll uh she'll kind of come through it yeah I'm sure she will but I mean and this is the thing I mean so mind candy has always been about um inspiring better mental health through food so really trying to give the tools to people to think like how can I better support myself through lifestyle like everyday lifestyle actions um so it started out as you know and you have that thing in the background and food has always been my way of like especially going plant-based and like you know sharing this kind of like passion and all these ideas but mental health has always been the thing like obviously in the background which is really pushing me forward Um, and so when I moved back to London a few years ago I was like right I really want to kind of bring this to life so I began Mind Candy as a pop-up supper club and then we started doing workshops so we took over a few different places did these incredible kind of very experiential kind of asparagasm style pop-ups and then when we opened Plant Academy I started to run like mini mind food workshops And it's been for a long time kind of thinking like, okay, like how, you know, how can I bring this to life? Like I always thought I'd maybe open a space or similar. Um, But most recently I've just in, well, almost signed off, finished writing a book all about mental health and food. So Mind Candy has kind of transitioned into something called Mind Food and it's going to be coming to life in a book and then hopefully also as more kind of, um, yeah, I mean, giving more information and doing hopefully in-person stuff in the very near future. Actually, I'm looking forward to reading that. Um, is it is it all about kind of gut health or is it more than that? Um, it's So gut health is a huge part of that. And we do like talk a lot about kind of gut health and links between the brain and the gut and using things like fermentation, but also talking about fiber and, you know, all of those kind of key things. But Um, the way that well the pop-ups and the book and everything is kind of structured is really about kind of connecting people with real ingredients and also tonic herbs and not just kind of like a wild mix of superfood powders but like there are some plants that are extremely potent and extremely useful when used in the right way and trying to make those ideas more accessible and really easy to add in your day I mean there's a lot of like things like CBD featured which you know is very like well-known ingredient now but instead of just kind of having it here and there I try and use that in food just to make it kind of so much easier to just add into your day and more enjoyable and also mind food is always about kind of passing on these ideas so you might come to a supper club and have a CBD chocolate cheesecake and someone says oh what's CBD and it's like oh CBD can be really good for say anxiety and it's like oh my friend has been really struggling with that and it's passing on these little messages which is really what it's about I think 
Yeah, it's about getting that conversation started, isn't exactly. it? Because we don't tend to, you know, I know that we have, as a society, started to talk about mental health. But actually, on a personal level, with people that we don't know that well, you wouldn't yeah. necessarily start talking about your mental health issues, or would you? You, it's kind of just not the done thing. So I yeah. think it's really important that we talk about these issues. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm a massive fan of fermented foods. Since going vegan, I just, I definitely feel happier. And oh my god, sauerkraut is like up there as one of mm. my favorite things. How how does it work though? I mean, it, um, it's there's so much science now, isn't there? I just I just don't get it. How how does it work? We eat something, our gut feels happy, and then our brain feels happy. Mm. Well, <laughs> yes, in in brief, that's it. But um, but yeah, I mean, fermented foods, like you say, is such a great thing to include. And there's so many different ways of kind of whether it's sauerkraut or there's so many things as well that you might not even realize, you know, like the obviously things like sourdough bread or um, well, plant-based cheeses, or there's so many different ways that you can get, yeah, probiotic benefits into your day. And so the way that fermented foods work, I mean, as we know, like we're, everything is very, very connected, but specifically the gut and the brain, um, the, there's more serotonin produced in our gut than there is in our brain. It's this, I mean, our gut holds a lot of our kind of like immune system and everything. So it's so important that we're firstly nurturing our gut so we can digest and get the most out of all of our foods, but also having a really kind of like good digestive system because you're going to then, you know, if there's any sort of issue, then that can often even cause mental health issues. Like people will have things like anxiety or I mean, insomnia, different things. And it, it can be stemmed just from like, you might be intolerant to something that you're having and your gut is just, you know, causing this kind of problem. So by really, well, fermented foods is yeah, a huge, huge part of that. But then also thinking about things like fiber, there's so many people just don't have enough fiber. So, you know, there's a lot in our digestive system that needs to be really thought about. So if, yeah, I mean, I think it's like, as well, if someone has a mental health issue that you know, it's maybe come out of, not out of nowhere, but, you know, if it kind of springs up and you're like, wow, I'm feeling really, like, anxious or I'm feeling really, like, I'm having problems with sleep a lot. So often that is coming from your gut. It might be that you're not having the right things, you're having something that's really irritating you. So, um, yeah. So if someone is experiencing something like that, would you suggest that they try, you know, introducing some probiotic foods into their diet? Yeah, I mean, I think whenever, you know, experiencing anything, it's good to kind of like check in with someone that's kind of knows about gut health, especially. I mean, there's loads of incredible nutritionists out there or different practitioners. But because if you go from zero and then you start adding fermented foods, you can be like, it really, yeah, it could not agree with you. Um, But there are, I mean, lots of fermented foods or drinks that you can add that are quite gentle just to try. I mean, there's an amazing... um, coconut kefir which has been proven in maybe one or maybe more studies um, that it does have a significant impact on your the bacteria in your gut so you're always with fermented food we're introducing more good bacteria into our system and this particular kefir I'll I'll double check the name because I can't I've I've been using it recently and I can't remember but it's it's these comes in these glass bottles and it's called like a gut shot and um, something like that is slightly more gentle on the system. Sometimes if you have things like kombucha or a fermented vegetable, they, you know, everything, different foods will always work for different people. But having these little gut shots has been really, really interesting. And it is something that's quite like 
gentle and if you're having it regularly every day I mean like with any whether it's a a tonic herb or fermented food it's you're always going to see change over time um but yeah I would definitely say it's like an area to explore but always having someone to guide you depending on the issue is going to be a a good place to start yeah oh that coconut kefir sounds good You'll have it's to let really good yeah it's the, my, look it out yeah is that the sort of thing you could make at home yourself or is it do you kind of need to buy it and you can the experts? yeah well you can I think I mean this one is like they've obviously got some very special system of doing it which is makes it super potent um but I think with lots of fermented vegetables like I mean we do a lot of fermentation at Plant Academy and, you know, as well, especially if we're doing things like sauerkraut or kimchi or kombucha, they are so easy to make, to make yourselves. Have you been making your own sauerkraut? I have. Yes. I've started, just started. It's taken me all these years. I mean, I did a, I did, I did a river cottage course on um, sort of fermentation with Naomi Devlin. I love Naomi Devlin. It was brilliant. And we mm. did uh, some cheese and I think it was, maybe it was feta and we did a few different things. And yeah, and I've done another workshop with a local sort of uh, raw vegan cafe, mm. but I've just never got round to it because I've got kids, I'm working full time. I just, I don't know. I just need to, yeah. So I think it was literally just last week I've started my first batch. So wow. because I've, I've basically been buying sauerkraut from the local health food shop in the yeah. fridge, which is obviously, well, I'd hope it's good quality. Cause, yeah. it's, cause it's no good, is it? If you buy it off the shelf. It's no, yeah. Of. You always have to make sure with other, whenever you're buying any fermented food, that it's like a live, like unpasteurized product. So yeah, always in the fridge. Yeah, so I've I've kind of been buying that, but it comes in plastic and it's expensive, and you know, mm. so um, yeah, I really need to um, you know, uh, start regularly making my own now. I think. <laughs> well, it's all, I mean, it's one of those things. Isn't it? I think when you find the ferment that kind of like really is your you know your ferment, then you know, working in really big batches, and especially with sauerkraut, I mean, you don't need you know, it's cabbage and salt as your kind of like starting point, and just to make a huge batch, like even if it was once every couple of months you could you know working in like very large jars that would be yeah a fun thing to do and kids as well I mean they enjoy fermenting things yeah yeah I'll have to get them involved yeah especially as I always seem to have a lot of cabbage left over from my um Riverford veg box Ooh, yeah definitely <laughs> that is waiting there to be turned into sauerkraut exactly yeah. yeah so can you give us a really simple fermentation recipe yeah, of course. I mean, let's go with sauerkraut because it's it's what we're where we're at. So yeah. one whole like white cabbage. You always want to make sure you're getting an organic cabbage because when you're fermenting anything, if it has been sprayed, then it is likely that yeah, it's not going to be full of all those like lovely bacteria that you want in the ferment. And to one cabbage, you just would shred it. So using your knife, take out the core, keep the core, and keep the outside leaves. And then shred it as fine as you can. I often use a mandolin so that it's really nice, like just makes it the texture better at the end. But you can just chop it with your knife and then just sprinkle over two tablespoons of salt. I often also like using like a smoked salt or a a different salt. So you can kind of put a little twist on it Um, and then just literally massage that cabbage with the salt. And because the salt will draw out the water and then there will be a brine that forms. And you can add then any sort of spices to get as creative as you want. I mean, more traditionally, it's like caraway seeds. But yeah, I really like doing smoked salt and then chili flakes. But, you know, mm, that sounds could, good. Yeah, it's good. Or you could add turmeric or anything. And then sterile, sterilized jar, 
push the cabbage in, making sure there's no air and then use the outer leaves to really like push in the top and then seal the jar, leave it on a shelf for up to, well, five days, but up to kind of like a couple of months and just make sure you open it every couple of days. And then after a while, you'll have some sauerkraut. You make it sound really easy. So I, I can do this. You can do it. Now you've got the recipe there for you. I'm on hand if you have questions. I often get oh, that'd be Instagram, great. Instagram DMs with pictures of um, ferments tends to be what, what happens. Oh, fantastic. So yeah, hopefully I have lots of our listeners DMing you now asking you for help. Just to finish off, what's your favourite good mood dish? Ooh, favourite good mood dish. What, what's, you know, if, if you're kind of, if you're having a bad day or say you've got a friend coming over for dinner, you really want to cheer them up, what would you cook? Mm, can I do like a bit of a meal? Because I, I can't. Yeah, go for I, it. I was, gonna, I was like. <laughs> um, so I think I would do a little kombucha cocktail to start with because it kind oh, of would nice. just lift you up. I'd have to have some sort of like little adaptogens in there I've quite liked doing um like a saffron kombucha because saffron is very uplifting so saffron kombucha when you come through the door and then um we probably we'd have some little snacks around because that's quite uplifting you know you're chatting you just need something to do with your hands so we'd have some Hmm. maybe some little fermented pancakes I think I'd make like fermented pancakes bit of cashew cream and then some kind of like I've always like doing like some smoked carrot on top, but also like a little, just some little vegetables. So we can kind of pick those as we're kind of maybe offloading and like, you know, shedding the day. Mm-hmm. Yum. And then for the main, I mean, always something super seasonal at the moment. Um, oh, I would do like a sprouted wild rice stir fry. So it's kind of like not having to think too much about it, but um, with like tempeh and then like a nice kind of like CBD sauce so like CBD tamari and some nut butter and I think that'd be like a kind of hearty like grounding not too elaborate but yeah and then of course finishing with like a little chocolate pot with medicinal mushrooms so it'd be like maybe like a lion's mane chocolate pot with some uh, like strawberries strawberries are amazing at the moment so like yeah strawberry dipped in oh my god so when can I come round <laughs> I'm free Friday I'll come over (laughs) that sounds good I'm quite excited about that too brilliant oh thank you you have really inspired me to uh up my cooking game and yeah thanks ever so much for joining us if if anyone wants to find out more where can they head would it be the plant academy website yeah so you can find out more at yeah plant academy um london.co.uk I believe or on instagram just plant academy london Instagram's yeah. always the, the best place. And yeah, find me as well on Instagram, Lauren underscore Lovett. And um and then yeah, soon or well, coming soon to different um bookshops and elsewhere. Well, if you'd like to know more about gut health and fermentation, have a listen to episode 10 of season one, when I spoke to Dr. Suni Patel, who suffers from Crohn's disease and turned his health around with a plant-based diet. If you enjoyed listening to today's episode, why not share it with a friend or leave us a review on your platform of choice? We'd love to hear what you think. You can also email any questions you have to simplyvegan at anthem.co.uk or follow us on Instagram at simplyveganpodcast. 
and at Vegan Food and Living. Next week, I'll be chatting to EastEnders actor and our girl actor, Danny Hatchard, who's a vegan and huge animal lover. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.